0: When Christ calls a person, he bids them come and die. Those are the staggering words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor and theologian in the confessing church in pre-World War II Germany. Hitler and the Nazi regime are slowly strangling religious expression in Germany. A few pastors in the German Lutheran Church dare to speak out in opposition to the horrors they foresee for Germany and for German believers. As a result of his opposition and his association with the planners of a plot to assassinate Hitler, Bonhoeffer is arrested and imprisoned. But his book, The Cost of Discipleship, has become a kind of guidebook for those of us seeking seriously to be disciples of Jesus the Christ. And I believe we need to hear his words again in this time. Cheap grace, he writes, is the deadly enemy of the church. We are fighting today for costly grace. Cheap grace means grace as a doctrine, a principle, a system. It means forgiveness of sins proclaimed as a general truth. The love of God taught as a Christian conception of God. an intellectual assent, that idea is held to be itself sufficient to secure remission of sins. In such a church, the world finds a cheap covering for its sins. No contrition is required, still less any real desire to be delivered from sin. Cheap grace amounts to a denial of the living word of God. In fact, denial in the Incarnation of the Word of God. These are hard words. But we just can't ignore them. One of the reasons they have cogency for us is they were written by a man who was willing to die for his faith and his resistance to any kind of religion that was counterfeit poor copy of the real thing. Jesus' words to the multitude of people who were following him around are recounted by Luke in the Gospel we just heard. But while some received his words and believed them, many, no doubt, think he's a religious fanatic, some kind of nut. His words are just too hard to swallow. And yet, those who hear him are fascinated by him. So they follow him around the countryside, hoping to witness one of his miracles and listening to him preach. The words of Jesus are not the words we'd prefer to hear either. Where are the words of healing, comfort, folks brought back from the dead and those lovely stories with solid moral teachings. It appears Jesus believes his God is not only about love and forgiveness and healing, but is also about justice, and yes, about judgment. In today's Gospel, we see him followed by these large crowds the believers and the curious spectators. But suddenly he turns and he tells them something they don't want to hear. It's too hard. We too may find we'd rather not hear him. Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even life itself cannot be my disciple. Wait, what? What's he saying? Maybe we think he's even crazier than we thought. I'm doing the best I can. Or I'm really a good person. Or maybe even, well, I'm really spiritual but not religious. Isn't going to make it in this setting. He just keeps insisting, beloved, beloved, you just can't have it both ways. He doesn't try to sell himself to his believers with promises of everything running smoothly for them. This is the guy who knows he's on his way to Jerusalem where he will be killed. And then he adds something else. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And he explains this by citing somebody who starts to remodel their house but neglects to check their bank account, or some country that decides to attack its neighbor without checking on the strength of the neighbor's army, or the resolve of its people, or the kind of weapons they have or can procure. These carry-the-cross words are hard for us to understand. We don't see many people walking around with crosses strapped on their backs. That was reserved for those headed for Roman crucifixion. But maybe we do see something that might help us understand what Jesus is getting at, and I apologize for going off-topic here. Let's say you decide to take that extended trip, backpacking trip on the Pacific Crest Trail that you've always wanted to do and never quite got around to it. You start preparations a long time ahead. You do exercises, you do push-ups and pull-ups and leg exercise to get yourself in shape. You get out the maps and decide which portions of the trail you want to tackle. You figure out how much food you'll need to get enough calories to keep you up in the light of the physical exertion. As the day of the departure approaches, you check to make sure your boots are softened up and are in good shape and your backpack has not been eaten by the rats in your garage. And finally, you begin putting the stuff into the backpack sunscreen, insect repellent, extra socks, blistered plasters, a flashlight, TP, matches, a poncho, a sleeping bag, and a water container, and a first aid kit, and several other things. But then you weigh it. Can I manage this day after day, mile after mile, you ask? Well, finally the day arises. You strap on that backpack, wiggle it around until it's more or less comfortable, and you start walking. And I believe that's what Jesus was talking about. It's all about deciding to be a disciple. It's about accepting that there may be challenges and getting prepared for them. No surprises there. It's recognizing your strengths and weaknesses. Do we believe we have what it takes? Then it's about shouldering that load and beginning to walk. So what might be in your pack? Hopefully a deep love for the people you'll run into on the trail. You'll probably nurse some injustice, some anger at injustice, no matter where you see it or in what setting. You're probably going to have a deep desire to be used by God in some way you don't understand to bring in the reign of God. And you'll have a profound appreciation for the physical beauty of the creation which unfolds around you. And somehow, probably mysteriously, the sense that you don't hike alone. Dietrich Bonhoeffer didn't lead people to believe that their faith in the face of the rise of Nazi opposition, would not have consequences. He and they are not crazy or religious fanatics. They're simply disciples. They've decided to pick up their spiritual backpacks and to begin walking. He and many others will pay dearly for that decision. Bonhoeffer refuses numerous attempts to spirit him out of Germany into the safety of England and the US, saying, how can I return to Germany after the war is over if I leave it in the midst of its trials? In one of his last letters to his friends, he writes, We must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. From his prison cell, he continues to write letters of encouragement to his friends and to be a pastor to his fellow prisoners. Even as the prisoners can hear the roar of advanced allied artillery, he is taken out into the courtyard of the prison building, and even as he prays with his guards, he is hanged. His last act on the night before his death is to lead his fellow prisoners in a service of worship, prayer, and the celebration of the Eucharist. Interrupted by God? Oh, yes. The question now is, am I willing to be interrupted by God? Am I willing to pick up that backpack of disciple and begin to walk, no matter the consequences? Sometime I wonder, How about you? Amen.